It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a film review Monday right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Looking back at BYU's 27-14 victory over Texas Tech. What went wrong in the second half for BYU offensively and just overall for the offense in the game? We're talking about that as well as some of the other takeaways after a rewatch of BYU and Texas Tech right now on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks as our title sponsor on today's show. Just a quick reminder that Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy, and we'll tell you a little bit more about them as the show progresses throughout this uh, edition of the podcast. All right, let's dive right in on uh, today's show. And as we do on most Mondays in season, we'd call it a film review Monday. I have gone back. I have watched BYU and Texas Tech a second time through. And uh, in many respects, by the way, the other thing about this is I say I watch it a second time. I'm constantly rewinding and looking at plays over and over again to get a better feel for things. So in some cases, I may have watched this game in reality three, maybe four times. But nonetheless, I took a lot away uh, from this. Now, in our postcast edition of the show, I said that BYU fans, you out there, should be happy that BYU's five and two. Celebrate the victories. Uh, that's and I still stick by that statement. Some of you were upset that I I chastised or what, however you wanted to interpret my uh, comments on that. But let me say this: rewatching the game in the second half, I get the consternation with BYU's offense right now. Two hundred and seventy-seven total yards. It's it's not the Production that Cougar fans for years and years, decade upon decade, have come to know. Uh, BYU fans, and I'll say this, I think most of y'all uh, are have been growing up like me, watching high-flying offense, and at some point uh, when it has a dip like it has right now for BYU, you get upset about it. Now, I will not stand for people calling for Aaron Roderick's job right now. Uh, alas, you guys forget so quickly that he has developed back-to-back quarterbacks that he put into the NFL. It's not that long ago, just last season, that BYU was putting up some pretty monster numbers on offense. A one-year dip, uh, he can survive that. He deserves, with his track record, speaking of Aaron Roderick, in my mind at least, that even if it doesn't necessarily right the ship this year and they don't necessarily become a 450 yards, 40-point-a-game type offense down the stretch run, and that may, very, may honestly be too tough uh, to do with the opponents BYU has remaining on their schedule. But let me just say this. like, If you're going to think that you're going to fire him after this, who's going to take that job? Because you're going to look, if you're an offensive coordinator out there in college football, I don't care necessarily exactly what level you're at, you're going to look at the job at BYU. Let's say BYU were to move on from Aaron Roderick and say, hold up, this guy went and put together some pretty high-flying, epic offenses. He put two quarterbacks into the NFL. Uh, You fired him after the first year in the Big 12 because you had a dip with regards to your overall statistics, despite having a winning record. You're three games over 500 right now, speaking of BYU. And you're going to fire this guy and move on? 
Why would I want to come in and have that type of pressure and assume that type of uh, pressure as BYU's uh, offensive coordinator? Why why would you want to do that? So let's let's put down the pitchforks, douse your torches. Let's let things settle a little bit. We all knew there was going to be an adjustment period for BYU coming into the Big 12. I, I don't know what we spent all offseason talking about if we didn't realize that it was going to take some time for BYU to get up to speed to competing at this level. And they are competing, by the way. They are 5-2 and two. once again. BYU is winning games. And as many of you pointed out, they're doing it in spite of themselves in certain circumstances. But hey, they're winning football games. Good football teams win football games. Just win, baby. The famous line from Al Davis. It's all that really matters at the end of the day, folks. So let's be happy about that. Now, on to my game notes. Uh, uh, so obviously, I, I think that the offense, yes, I, I do think that there was things to be improved upon in the second half. Now, there were missed opportunities for BYU in that second half. There was a big-time throw that uh, Keaton Slows put right on the hands of uh, Darius Lasseter. Actually, two times he put it right on the hands of Darius Lasseter. Couldn't come up with the catch that would have converted on third down for BYU on, on two different drives in that second half. Other things that I think that you, we should be paying attention to include uh, BYU with regards to their run game. The passing game at points this season has come alive and looked absolutely electric. Look at Cincinnati, look at points during Kansas, uh, look at even the Arkansas game when the, the passing attack has been at its best. If BYU can take what they did in the run game against Texas Tech, 150 yards, 5 yards per carry on just 30 carries, you can translate that and continue to carry, uh, pick up on that and have that be a part of the offense. And if you can marry that to some of the high-flying moments on the in the passing game that BYU's had this season, you're going to put together that offense that many of you out there have been uh, crowing for and want so badly. Now, can they put that together? That's a big question mark because the final five games of the season for BYU uh, have four of the top five teams at the top of the uh, Big 12 standings right now. The Cougars are currently in a tie for sixth at two and two in the conference. Like I mentioned, four of the five, uh, four of the uh, opponents BYU has remaining on their schedule are currently in, uh, above them in the standings. So very, very tough. Uh, uh, season ahead. Uh, obviously, we're in the middle of the season, but a very tough uh, uh, final stanza of this campaign for BYU. But hey, if they continue to force turnovers at an astronomical clip, and they have already got 16 on the season as a whole, uh, speaking of BYU, there's no reason to think that they can't uh, continue to stay in these games. Now, Games like Texas and the home game against Oklahoma when they're both top 10 ranked teams, I, I get that there's a concern that you could get absolutely boat raced in those games. But you know what? The the big difference for BYU is they've got to continue to stick to what is working for them. And that's uh, finding a run game that is picking up tough yards when it needs to. I, I know it's not pretty and it hasn't necessarily been efficient uh, most of this year, but it was quite efficient against Texas Tech, who was a middle-of-the-road Big 12 rush defense. Now, can you do it against one of the more elite rush defenses when it goes up against Texas? That's a big question mark this week. Uh, the five turnovers for BYU, absolutely critical to their success. It's been critical for any success BYU has had this year. Uh, you would have liked to see them cash in on more points on those turnovers. BYU only got uh, 13 points off of the five turnovers they forced. Now, two of them, the Jacob Robinson interception at the end of the first half, that was an end of half play. Uh, had he uh, uh, been able to get out of bounds, maybe with the second remaining, BYU might have been uh, able to attempt a field goal in that circumstance. And then the late 
late interception for Ethan Slade. Uh, BYU was able to grind out the clock after that just by running the football. So uh, it was an end of the game scenario. So 13 points, yeah, not your most efficient in terms of capitalizing on your turnovers, but it still was 13 points you cashed in on. Obviously, the touchdown, uh, the lone touchdown of the bunch coming when Eddie Heckard pounced on that uh, fumble in the end zone. And obviously the other two uh, were field goals as a result of those turnovers. So uh, turnovers continue to be a key, key part of BYU's success this year. Is it something you can rely upon moving forward? Uh, I know that it, it's an oddly shaped football and it bounces weird ways, but hey, BYU's proven so far this year that they have been able to get the bounces to go their way. And if they continue to do that, they're going to find themselves with chances in these games. Uh, Eddie Heckard, I thought, was absolutely phenomenal for BYU. I thought Jacob Robinson, despite being targeted heavily by Texas Tech, held up well. I thought the cornerbacks overall for BYU were very, very solid. But they were actually outplayed by the safeties. And uh, Pro Football Focus had both Ethan Slade and Crew Wakely as the Cougars' uh, top-rated, uh, gra- uh, top-rated players uh, grade-wise from PFF. And for good reason. Ethan Slade and Crew Wakely looked absolutely phenomenal against Texas Tech. Now, the athletes of Texas Tech, in some cases, pale in comparison to what they're going up against in the likes of Texas and Oklahoma down the stretch run of the season here. But it was good to see those guys standing out on the back end of BYU's defense. Also, BYU's run fits when it comes to their rush defense, I thought it was actually very solid for BYU. Yes, they did give up a number of rushing yards, but they did make it very tough on Taj Boyd, who remains the top rusher in all of FBS football, nearly 900 yards on the season at this point. They made it very tough for him to get to his yards in that game. 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, it's not necessarily an elite number, but is a very, very good number in terms of the overall yards, yards per carry average for him. He had to get 31 touches to get to 105 yards. That's You'll take that if you're BYU. I thought the linebacking core was quite solid. Now some wrap-up mishaps and just uh, ducking your head and that type of stuff allowed some uh, yak yards after contact for uh, the running backs for Texas Tech. You can work on cleaning that, cleaning that stuff up. It was very nice to see also, uh, two of the freshmen I saw playing this game, I was very, very intrigued by uh, both of them true freshmen, one being Ciala Acera, uh, just uh, recently removed from Timview High School, and obviously a guy that I think is going to make an impact for BYU down the stretch here at uh, linebacker, and then also John Henry Daly. His older brother, Michael Daly, decided to leave the program last week. Well, John Henry stepped into the lineup and looked very, very good. The, the future for both of those two young men looks very very bright. Uh, combine that with Harrison Taggart and him uh, butting into being a very, very good middle linebacker for BYU. There are some uh, key cornerstones for BYU defensively uh, to build around, and you know, I think you'll see their playing time continue to in- in- increase as the season uh, progresses. Alright, so uh, that is uh, all of the... Oh yeah, one other thing real quick on the positives from this game. LJ Martin, on that 55-yard run to open the game for BYU, that uh, play, if you go back and watch it, it was blocked up to near Perfection. Now, uh, you have to in, in in when running backs are running a football, the idea is to block it up so they essentially have one guy to beat. And if you look at the play as it develops, BYU's offensive line, the tight end Isaac Rex, wide receiver I think it was Keelan Marion on, on the play side of that, they all had a hat on a hat, as they say. They were all blocking their guys and blocked it up nicely. That left L.J. Martin in the Texas Tech safety one-on-one. L.J. Martin made a phenomenal move, broke a couple of tackles, and was off to the races at that point. More often than not, running backs can break those tackles. You've got to block it up, though. When it's two and three guys that you're going up against as a running back, that's when it becomes very, very tough. And it was good to see it get it blocked up. I thought BYU's run blocking overall for most of the night was quite good. Aiden Robbins came in and was 
was the absolute hammer in the final stanza of this game to seal it up. Some people were saying, why isn't LJ Martin in there? Well, Aiden Robbins is just a 225-pound battering ram. Why wouldn't you give him the football and say, go get those tough yards? Why would you subject LJ Martin to extra punishment if you don't need to? So uh, I thought those were all positives for BYU in this game, and obviously uh, I think they can build upon stuff uh, from this one moving forward. Now, the bad, the ugly, things that need to be cleaned up for BYU. We'll talk about those because there is plenty of that as well, even despite the win for BYU. And we'll dig into those notes coming up momentarily right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, a quick word on our friends over at Athletic Brewing. They've been working with us uh, for a couple of months now since the football season began. Uh, now, it is t- now it is time for your Game Changer of the Week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like, and I'm going to give the nod this week to uh, Aiden Robbins. Uh, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And taste good, excuse me. And why I picked uh, Aiden Robbins, it was his first real extensive action for BYU this year, and he started to show the flashes of why BYU was so excited to get him into a Cougar uniform uh, coming off a 1,000-yard season a year ago for UNLV. Uh, he had a rib injury, and it's been uh, widely reported at this point that it we've been dealing with all season long. He is nearly, fu- uh, I guess he's fully recovered at this this point and looked very very good and like I said was the absolute hammer to help BYU grind out that victory and close shop uh, against Texas Tech and that's why Athletic Brewing is here they want to have your game changer of the week for you guys because they are changing the non-alcoholic beer game they make non-alcoholic beers non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good their brews are, are great tasting and award-winning they beat out full-strength beers in global competition so give them a shot my friends they are fit for all times you can drink them anytime anywhere and make any activity more enjoyable and obviously with no hangover effect. That's the best part about it. So go online and get your order placed there or go to your uh, local store near you and buy Athletic Brewing's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you. But if you want to go online, you can go to athleticbrewing.com and first-time customers, you can use the promo code Locked On for 15% off your first order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, uh, near beer exclusions and conditions do apply. It's all courtesy of Athletic Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. They have Learn and Earn, the app that is paying your family to learn about money. Simple as that, my friends. Uh, Parents don't always have the answers for all the questions or even their own questions about money, and that's where Learn and Earn steps in. It breaks down financial topics into fun bite-sized topics and educational games, and every time a family member completes one of these uh, lessons, you earn points that accrue and can be redeemed for gift cards to many, many stores like Apple, Amazon, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. There's age-appropriate content for every member member of the family who can compete against one another and track your progress on leaderboards as well. Uh, Learn and Earn is into, inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so play it anytime, anywhere, and get started today. It's all courtesy of Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's, UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of Utah Community Credit Union. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine. Thank you for being everydayers with us right here on the podcast. Quick reminder that Friday morning, uh, Locked On College Football Kickoff Live is available on YouTube. It goes live at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. That's 11 a.m. Uh, uh, Eastern Time for an hour, getting you ready for the weekend ahead in college football. Check it out. It's all on YouTube across the YouTube uh, channels of the Locked On uh, College channel, including this uh, channel, Locked On Cougars. All right, let's talk about the bad and the ugly from this uh, win for BYU. I know uh, those don't necessarily usually jive with one another, but there was still plenty for BYU to clean up. 
Uh, one thing I noticed, tempo still catches BYU off guard at times. I don't necessarily get it. You've got to get down and get ready. Now, I know that BYU's checking the sidelines and Jay Hill's trying to get a feel for what the formation looks like as he tries to get his calls in. BYU's got to relay those calls quicker. There are times that tempo is still catching BYU napping, so to say, when it comes to their defense. You want to see them clean that up. Uh, third down defense continues to be an issue for BYU. It was better than it was a week ago against TCU. 12 of 19 in that game, over 60% uh, in terms of the conversions for the Horned Frogs. In this game uh, for Texas Tech, 9 of 18. Still 50%, so still a bit high, but it was an improved product. You want to see them continue to work on that. Jay Hill harped on it all last week, and it sounds like BYU has taken that uh, taken that and internalized it. Now, it's going to take some time for them to really uh, figure everything out, and I think that's going to continue to kind of be an issue for BYU in terms of just the overall caliber of athletes they're facing here in the Big 12. But you want to see him cut that number to sub 50, at least maybe even sub 40% ideally for BYU on defense. Uh, let's see, Chase Roberts still not 100% out there. You could tell that in that game, but still is absolutely BYU's number one wide receiver. I wonder how much might have changed had he been 100% healthy in that game. Also having Keanu Hill in a game like this against Texas Tech. Some of those tougher catches that may have uh, been dropped, could those two have come up with some bigger catches and help BYU convert in some circumstances? We'll never know. It's one thing that needs to be uh, uh, cleaned up. The second half off offense. I know it wasn't pretty. Multiple punts, a three and outs, not grinding the clock like you would have liked BYU to see and see this game out and maybe blow it wide open, honestly. But uh, the thing about it is, as I mentioned right off the top of the show, a couple of drops from Darius Lassiter, uh, some missed uh, blocking assignments on the perimeter at times for BYU. Uh, there was just and by the way, the other thing about this, in the second half, there's a lot of east-west action for BYU. A lot of going sideline in terms of working the width of the field, not the length of it. I would have liked to see BYU why you go more north-south with some of the stuff they did in that second half, but uh, only Aaron Roderick can answer for exactly why he uh, uh, approached that. He'll be speaking on the Coordinator's Corner program on BYU TV today. Uh, do I expect Greg Rebell to grill him on it? Not necessarily, but we'll have our first opportunity to speak with him on Wednesday, and hopefully we'll be able to get a little more in terms of the information from him and talk more about that. Alright, and now in terms of other things that need to be cleaned up that I listed as the ugly. Third down offense. 4 of 14 in this game for BYU. You get that to 7 of 14, and BYU very well may have had another touchdown or two on the board. It's really that simple. You've got to find success earlier in uh, some of these drives for BYU. Aaron Roderick talked about it last week. you got to have success on 1st and 2nd down to avoid getting into 3rd and 8 and 3rd and 9. He said the average for most of the season this year for BYU on 3rd down is 3rd and 9. That run game is going to be a big differentiator for BYU. If you can pick up 2 and 3 yards consistently a pop, if not more than that, you can push it to maybe four or five yards. That's going to get you into more manageable downs and distances, especially when it comes to third down. And you'll see that percentage tick up. But it needs to be it needs to be worked on. It still continues to be a massive issue for BYU. Jackson Cravens is BYU's best defensive tackle, but who's number two? There's been a rotating cast of characters alongside him: Caden Hawes, David Latu, Atenaisa Mahe, etc. On the interior, uh, John Nelson at times. There's no clear number two defensive tackle. You need to have another stout body in the middle of that defense. It felt like when Texas Tech had their best success running the football against BYU, it was up the gut when that where that other defensive tackle may have uh, been in the circumstance that Jackson Cravens was in there. You need to find a consistent contributor there. I don't know, know that necessarily it's going to be uh, a stalwart that's going to step up at this point in the season, but you got to see better play from the other defensive tackles not named Jackson Cravens. 
I know that PFF ranked Atunai Samahe uh, very high in terms of their overall grades, but I think it was more because he got two QB hits or pressures in that game, more so than his rush defense. That was my personal opinion on that. Uh, the touchdown on 3rd and 18, the Texas Tech scored. And it's 3rd and 18. It's another. Uh, by the way, 3rd and 18 and a 72-yard touchdown, uh, that will give you a 3rd down conversion plus a TD. So, you got to get off the field. And BYU, if you watch that play back, and I watched it about four different times uh, watching it back, there was confusion pre-snap. Safety's moving all over the place, uh, barking at each other. Corners not necessarily getting the calls relayed to them. And Eddie Heckard uh, was with his guy, but then lets him go uh, thinking that uh, Ethan Slade, yeah, it was Ethan Slade, was going to be over the top in coverage. Well, Ethan Slade was playing the middle of the field, and then you see uh, Jake Strong, the quarterback from Texas Tech, his eyes get wide. He sees that uh, seam open up, and he fires it in there and touchdown. Uh, you got to have that communication relayed. You cannot continue to have these coverage busts. If you're having coverage busts like that against a program the caliber of Texas Tech right now, imagine what the likes of Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, even Oklahoma State, what what are they capable of doing against you? That's the concern you got to have. You've got to be on the same page every single time you're on the football field, and I'm expecting they will clean that up with better communication this week. And then a uh, final note from me is spitting on opponents remains the most stupid thing I can ever imagine. Why in the world is a tight end and then obviously a, a, a reportedly a, t- a right tackle spitting on Tyler Batty in this game? I don't care uh, what circumstances, what they may be. You do not spit on people. I hope that the Big 12 takes action on this. I don't necessarily know what action they will take. I don't expect it to be uh, a more multiple game suspension, that type of stuff, because I just don't see that happening. But you don't spit on people. Why in the world would that be in your thought of your mind? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spit on this guy. That's that's demeaning. It's it's deplorable. It's just, just don't do it. And by the way, there was some pushing and shoving in this game. This Texas Tech-BYU uh, series could end up becoming a pretty decent rivalry if that continues. Now, obviously, we'll see if they uh, play again next season and beyond that, but uh, there was some some back and forth in this game, and I, I am interested uh, to see if it can develop into something as the era of the Big 12 continues for BYU here. But I, I just cannot accept those two young men uh, having the thought in their mind, I'm going to spit on an opponent. That is, it's disgusting. It's vile. I just, I, I can't, I can't abide that. And I hope that the Big 12 takes some action and uh, make sure that Joey McGuire and his program know that that will, that will not be tolerated. It just, you cannot have that. All right. Uh, so there you go, my notes. Uh, yeah, so let me reiterate. I get the concern. I get the the, the, the feeling that, hey, BYU is uh, up against it when it comes uh, to the stretch run of the season here. I get all that. And the offense is still very much a work in progress in the, the back half of the season. But it very well may be this is just how BYU is going to operate this year, folks. So... I don't know what to tell you. If if it's if it's gonna have you check out on BYU despite them being five and two on the year at this point, so be it. But uh, they're winning football games, and like I said, the mark of a good football program is finding ways to win football games. This is not the typical way to win football games, and in many respects, had the ball bounced a different way, BYU could have a sub five hundred record. But you know what? They're getting the fortunate bounces uh, this year so far, and they're 5-2 and two on the year. They're a game away from bowl eligibility, and I'm feeling pretty bullish on BYU getting to at least six wins and possibly even seven. I, I don't think West Virginia is as hot as they were maybe just a couple of weeks ago. I think they may be sliding. I was already reading something that Neil Brown is already right back on the hot seat after the back-to-back losses for the Mountaineers. Iowa State seems to be a, an interesting team. Defense very, very good. Offense still very much a, a challenge for them. Can you grind out enough on your home turf, speaking of BYU hosting Iowa State to get the win. 
we'll see. I, I think that BYU is going to go bowling. I, I'm very confident in saying that right now. Now, I could be dead wrong about that, and you can pull the receipts when I'm dead wrong about it and shove it right back in my face, and I'll be happy to eat that. Well, I, don't, I won't be happy to eat that crow because BYU won't be going to the postseason, but I am I'm casting my lot that BYU is going to be bowl eligible this year, whether it's six or seven wins. I think that's where things may be topping out uh, for the Cougars. But nonetheless, I think it'd be a pretty good debut for BYU, considering if you get to six or seven wins, that's three or four wins in terms of your first year in the Big 12, and that'd probably have you middle of the pack in terms of the overall uh, Big 12 race. I think it'd be a pretty good spot for BYU to be in, considering the other three newcomers, Cincinnati, uh, UCF, and Houston, have all had their struggles more so than BYU uh, entering the conference so far. All right. We'll finish up this edition of the podcast with some early notes on Texas. Uh, whereas BYU, in terms of the the, the betting odds, uh, a big injury for the Texas Longhorns as well as BYU makes the trip to Austin. And it's a big night for BYU women's soccer. We'll talk about all that coming up here in just a moment. Real quick, a word on our friends over at Prize Picks. We've been talking about Prize Picks for a couple of weeks now. And what it is is Prize Picks has got a great way to have fun with daily fantasy. And the best part about it is it's not you competing against other people. It's you versus the numbers, you versus the computer. Simple as that. You pick an over-under on the projected stats for two to six players, and if you win, you win money. Simple as that. It's the most fun you can have with Daily Fantasy Sports. You win up to 25 times your own bet amount uh, this football season. You pick two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stats, and place your entry. It can be done in less than 60 seconds, folks. It's really that simple. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Price Picks the number one Daily Fantasy Sports app. So get on it and take advantage of it uh, today. They offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account uh, during the football season, and they even are offering weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Every Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player selections up to 25% to provide even more value for you, the consumer. Get on it today, take advantage of it, and do it with our friends at Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockedoncollege. Use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit matchup of up to $100. Put $100 in, get $100 from our friends at Prize Picks. have $200 to play with. Simple as that that's prizepicks.com using the promo code locked on college for that first deposit match it's all courtesy of your friends at prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy the ncaa tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for joining us on a Monday edition of Locked On Cougars. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, if you guys don't mind doing so, please continue to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, my big push this week is I want you guys, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, even if you're not, if you have an iPhone, go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a quick sentence or two, what you like about the show, we'd like to see improved about the show. Leave us a comment. Leave us a five-star rating. We're going to start giving you guys some shout-outs. For those of you who do leave those, it's really simple. It takes less than five seconds to, to do it. You tap the five stars and on you go. So uh, please consider doing that this week uh, and helping us out right here on Locked on Cougars. All right. 
Opening line from our friends over at FanDuel for BYU at Texas. It's not kind of the Cougars. It opened up at 18.5 points in terms of BYU being a massive, massive underdog in this game. Other sports book have BYU, other sports books, excuse me, had BYU as high as a 20.5 point underdog. Other ones had it as low as 16 points. So uh, BYU is at least two, if not three scores uh, in terms of the, the overall line going into this matchup against the seventh ranked uh, Texas Longhorns. Now, Texas. Texas has had a pretty significant injury of their own at the quarterback position. Uh, Quinn Ewer suffered a grade two a sprain of the AC joint in his throwing shoulder. Now, any of you who have had a sprained shoulder uh, know it's just it's an annoying and it's quite painful in many respects. And a grade two is going to cost him, it sounds like, at least a couple of weeks, if not longer than that, for Texas. Well, here is here it is about Texas. They only have two uh, high-level athletes in terms of uh, star rankings as their backup quarterbacks, one being Malik Murphy, a former four-star prospect out of California. And then some kid by the name of Arch Manning, you know, like the number one quarterback prospect in like the last recruiting cycle, a five-star prospect. He's got some uncles named Peyton and Eli. He's got a grandpa named Archie, you know, you know the Mannings. Yeah, so uh, no shortage of talent for Texas in terms of replacing Quinn Ewers, but Ewers has been very, very good for the Longhorns. We'll see how they adapt to having a backup quarterback. It'll be the third straight week. BYU will be facing a backup quarterback in the month of October this season. And like I said, this is a higher level of backup, but uh, an injury all the same that BYU hopefully uh, can take advantage of, and we'll see what happens. And uh, the other thing about this, folks, is do you know the last time BYU played on the road at a top 10 ranked team? Some of you are shouting at me right now. Yeah, it was Wisconsin in 2018. They were number six in the country, and BYU went in with having no chance to win, and they got the win on on the home turf out there in Wisconsin. It's true. It was. 2018, BYU went to number 6 Wisconsin and stunned the Badgers. You remember that game? It really kind of launched this most recent run for BYU under Jeff Grimes as the OC. Aaron Roderick was the passing game coordinator. Kind of ignited BYU's run uh, that they've kind of carried on through this present day. and uh, Pretty cool stuff. So, there's some history here suggesting BYU's got a chance to win this. And by the way, the last time BYU played a top 10 ranked team was last season when Baylor came to Provo. Uh, they were ranked ninth, and obviously BYU in that win in overtime uh, was pretty thrilling in its in its own right. So uh, some history on the side of BYU, but this Texas team, they are no joke with regards to the amount of talent they've got on the roster. And that'll be interesting to see how BYU adapts to that. All right, and then two other quick notes before we go on today's show is congratulations to number nine ranked BYU women's volleyball. Back-to-back sweeps last week of Iowa State, who was nationally ranked. Uh, Huge wins for BYU uh, in the Smith Fieldhouse both Thursday and Friday night. Congratulations to the Cougars. Uh, They are back in action this week as they head to Manhattan, Kansas, this week uh, for a matchup with Kansas State on Thursday night at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. It will be on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus streaming if you want to check that out Thursday night. And then tonight, a huge matchup, the final regular season match uh, for BYU as they take on UCF, the Cougars' number seven in the country. Eleven seniors being honored tonight at Southfield as they uh, finish out uh, their final regular season uh, uh, match. And BYU should uh, be able to get a pretty big win here. It would be very important for them in terms of the seeding uh, for postseason play with regards to the Big 12. Cougars 13-1-3 on the year, 6-0-3 in the Big 12. And UCF is no slouch, so they're going to have to obviously earn this one. But uh, some cool history is made last week for BYU, by the way. Jamie Shepard is now holds the record for the most games played by 
any BYU a soccer player in program history. She's at 99 and counting. She plays tonight. She gets a hundredth, uh, her hundredth cap, as you as you soccer fans are well aware, for BYU. Uh, Bella Felino is now number two with 98 career games, and both of them would be well over 100 games by the time the postseason comes for BYU. So congratulations to both of them, and congratulations to Brecken Mozingo. Uh, let's see who else. Aaron, uh, not Aaron Bailey. She's not a senior this year. Uh, Kendall Peterson. Some really, really talented players uh, playing their final uh, game in the regular season at Southfield, and it should be a fun night uh, for all involved. Uh, game time on that is set for 6 o'clock Mountain Time on Southfield. It'll be on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Greg Rubel will be on the call. I believe there are still some tickets available if you want to go to BYUtickets.com and get out to Southfield and celebrate Senior Night uh, with the rest of Cougar Nation. So there you go. Uh, all the notes you guys needed to know about on a Monday and my thoughts as I rewatch that game uh, from UCF. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Uh, am I up in the night? Am I Have I, have I uh, broken things down concretely enough do you guys feel confident do you feel worried I welcome it any and all feedback I, I truthfully do that I do appreciate it the good the bad the negative the positive all of it I cannot thank you guys enough for the support of the podcast it's simple as that I, I appreciate the fact that you guys even take the time uh, to check this out uh, thousands of you do it on a daily basis and uh, I truthfully it, it makes uh, me happy that you guys think it's at least a, a quality product that you guys enjoy at least watching on a regular basis. So once again, thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you, by the way, once again, who are everydayers with us here. And we'll be back with you guys again tomorrow, right here on Locked On Cougars. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.